This podcast contains spoilers about the Pixar movie Up, so if you haven't seen it yet, you might want to skip the last part of the podcast. Also, my mic seems to be making some weird sounds lately, so if you hear some robotic noises, that's probably why, and I apologize. Hope it's not too distracting. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to episode 13 of the Legendary Frogcast. We're actually doing this right after we did episode 12, but you guys won't pro- but you guys won't hear it for about another week or so. Um, I'm your host, Joseph Blanchett, a.k.a. Legendary Frog. With me, as always, is Dustin Watts. Ahoy hoy, again! And once again, Richard Farrow. Hello! Again! And uh, my buddy, Casey McDonald, a.k.a. Zyphon. Oh, you? And uh, he's on this podcast because we're going to talk about Pixar. And he's a big Pixar fan. Actually, I think we're all pretty big Pixar fans. Yay! Yep. Yay, Pixar. Yay! And we're done. Okay. Um, <laughs> since we just did a podcast about an hour ago, I, I, I don't think we've all begun playing new video games or new stuff like that in that time. So we're going to give this time to Casey because he's actually so, making a video game. Yep, he's making a game in Flash and it's turned out pretty cool. Well, that, that's want to talk a little bit about it? Sure. As I said, that's what everyone says is really cool. I mean, I I just got started because I, I felt like making a game. I wasn't out to, like, you know, take over the market or anything like that. I just I just enjoy it. Um, I don't know. I, honestly, I've heard it's pretty difficult, which I enjoy. Like, uh, I think there's too many games nowadays that are just way too easy. Um, and as a platformer, uh, I just I just wanted to see something that was challenging but, you know, kept you coming back. So I started making this game. It's a it's called the Canthos, and um, it's about a, a a character named Canthos that jumps and flips around. It, the the gameplay is pretty similar. Like if you can imagine like like Sonic the Hedgehog, like with all the flipping and you know lots of fast paced kinds of gameplay, mixed with a lot of like uh, like kind of a Prince of Persia kind of air where you can you can kind of grab onto a lot of things. You can. Uh, you can you know, you got like a sword that can you can use like as a hook shot you know you can swing around it, there's a lot of uh, I don't know it's it's, it's a it's complex <laughs> but I I've really enjoyed making it so far uh, sorry were you gonna say something um, I was just gonna say I played parts of it and uh, it's definitely pretty impressive for being your first like the first like one of the first things you made like well I guess you made a few other thi- like a game things in Flash but this is the first one that really got going. Well, yeah. The originally I was working on an RPG, and uh, I did that because I was thinking, like, well, you know, RPGs is nothing but number crunches. You know, you press a button, it does X damage. You know, enemies' health subtracts by X damage. But it was actually much more difficult than I thought it would be. It, it just and it kept. Uh, I had to keep restarting work because I kept coming up with new ideas, and I really didn't know what I was doing. I didn't think of things through ahead of time. Uh, eventually, the whole project got deleted anyway. So I thought, okay, well, this was really too difficult. So I started making a platformer, and it's been, a, I'd say, about a year since I got started. Um, the first version of it was actually based on your World of Warcraft RP character. That's correct. Kanthos. Uh, it was just based on, I I, I, uh, I had an RP character named Kanthos, and I really enjoyed it, and I loved the stories that went on, and I thought, well, hell, I'm, I'll make a game out of this, you know, and people will love it everywhere, and I'll be adored yeah, so by like, millions of people. <laughs> it's like the first version of it, like, um, how do you go in through, like, Wild locations like Silver Moon and, and uh, Nomagon stuff. Yeah, well, and, and actually, I really did enjoy doing that, like making renditions of these areas as a, a two-dimensional platformer. Um, 
it's just after a while, I, I felt like it... Well, well one, I, my computer got reformatted and I lost the whole thing, but when I came back to it, I, I decided to make it its own universe just because it felt... <coughs> I don't know, it just felt better somehow, you know, I felt like I could do more with it, you know. Yeah, it's the same reason why um, that movie you made a, a long time ago, uh, The Legends of Azeroth. Or um, Shadows of Azeroth. Well, well, yeah, uh, Shadows of Azeroth was based on World of Warcraft, but, like, the more we thought about it, like, we were we were just using locations from Warcraft just for the heck of it, like, everything else was, was pretty original. Yeah. So, like, um, you actually plan on remaking that series but as a as a completely original universe yeah and actually we've we've got work on that underway so people will be happy <laughs> yay for those That's of you congratulations. who congratulations good luck my man and like um yeah like me and you and uh your friend 13 are are kind of working on that like i know we've talked a lot about it in the past like haven't been involved lately but uh i hope to get in on that because i really like those characters they're a lot of fun, and this mm-hmm. time through, I wanted to actually get like all three parts done in a row, rather than sit on, like get one part done and sit on the second for a long time. You know, it just, I don't know. I think yeah. it's better if you work on things consistently. So, yeah. Um, and your name is Zyphon on Newground, so if you want to want to check out some of his old, older movies, uh, that'd be cool. Yeah, there's a big. It's not Zyphon with a Z; it's with an X. Yeah, that's right. It's it's the cool Zyphon. <laughs> But yeah, right. uh, does that mean there's an uncool one? Possibly. Maybe. There's like an evil twin out there. With a beard. Alright, so we are going to talk about Pixar, because um, Pixar's 10th animated, uh, full-length animated movie came out last week, uh, Up, which, um, not to get too far ahead, but we all thought was pretty, pretty fantastic. Oh yeah. And, w- and me and Joey saw it in 3D. How was that, by the way? I saw it in 3D as well. I actually liked it. Oh, yes, it was quite good. Though, before we talk about the movie, I would like to mention one thing that we talked about in our uh, summer movie podcast way back when on episode one of the early episodes. We saw a trailer for uh, G-Force. That movie looks great. God, please don't remind me. That hamsters are like, are like, look, going down the road and hamster balls, they're like, go faster, and then they fart in the hamster ball, and they're like, oh, who farted in the hamster ball? It's, it's <laughs> awesome. That does not look good. I'm not going to see that. Yeah, I, I, Joey will tell you, I was mocking it in the theater. And I was mocking Dustin by thinking it was the, the most amazing thing I've ever seen <laughs> all throughout it. Well, what is it with oh, these um, movies? They... If a uh, if uh, a relic was there, like Dustin would just go insane because we would be like, "Oh my god!" the entire time. <laughs> those are just video games. Oh, no, 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 I just called it a video game. Oh my god! No, those are just movies that what they do is they just try to show off special effects. But it's basically they're just talking. Like you'll have like this meeting at the movie making company people. Thing. Yeah, I'm just babbling right now. No, but they're just, they'll be like, okay, we need a good idea for a movie, but we need awesome special effects to go with it. So they'll make a movie that has awesome special effects, but they kind of, at that point, they also ignore the plot altogether, and they just make it a special effects movie. That's the way they kind of did it with Pirates of the Caribbean 3. I think that's just, this This movie is... Hey, I, I like that movie. Well, I, I, I did too. I just think that the plot was a little... Cheesy compared to the nah, other I'm, two. I'm just giving you a hard time. Films. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just I, I think that this is going to be another special effects movie with uh, zero plot. Well, I doubt that G Force is going to have a three hundred million dollar budget like Pirates Three did. What drives me nuts is like I'll go into the theater and sit down, and there's previews playing, and that previews are actually one of my favorite parts of a movie. I don't know why, but I, I sit down and they're like, "Well, oh, there's a new." A new terrorist attack coming up on whatever. We gotta figure out what we're gonna do about this. And like, well, we gotta call a meeting with the CIA. And then all of a sudden, like the president of the United States gets in there and everything. And it's like, what are we gonna do? I've got, uh, Mr. President, we've got this top secret project going on, and we're gonna use rabbits. Rabbits are gonna save the planet. And it's like, like they, it's like the same plot over and over and over. It, it was dogs and cats, and then they have hamsters. They're like, they're just, it's just a movie about talking animals, and it drives me nuts. <laughs> you know what else bothers me about trailers sometimes? Hmm. It's, you know how, how they'll have that really built up beginning of the trailer, like, in a world where, like, everything's gone bad, and the world is coming to an end. Um, and then they just and it kind of just really builds up, and, it, and then suddenly it just shows you like this really. It, they kind of do it for like the whole comedy effect, but it's yeah. that whole thing for the trailer is so overdone, and it's just I I, I really well it, I, well I hate to tell you you're probably not going to be hearing in a world that ever again at least in the same way since the great late Don 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 La Fontaine was the guy who usually did that, and he passed away. Earlier this year. Oh, did he? That's uh, too bad. That's a shame. He had a very good trailer voice. Oh, was it? It, it was either late last year or early this year, but he. But yeah, he he passed away. And trailers are not going to be the same. Until of course they get into someone else. Because we've changed all the rules. In a world. You know that guy actually did voice acting for free too. Like uh, he, for free, I really? Guess if, really? Yeah, I guess if you asked him, I, I don't know about this for fact. This is just what I heard. But uh, I guess if you were, you had like a trailer for a movie or something, and you were able to get a hold of the guy, he'd just do it. He didn't care. Which well, was just over the phone. Well, some people. Oh, I also heard he got like like uh, fifty thousand a minute or something ridiculous like that for some trailers. That's pretty conflicting reports. That is very co- well. <laughs> you know me. I, I hear lots of things from lots of people, and most of these people are crazy. So, hmm. so uh, we, it the, just. I guess it depends on what he ha- he asked you asked for him to do. I yeah. guess. Yeah. Joe, you should have him, you should have him do a voice for our Resident Evil collab. Well, yeah, I'm thinking about he's dead. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm kind of losing my mind right now. Yes. <laughs> Did you have it in the first place? Dustin, that hurts. Well, did you? I did have it. I used to. Answer the, answer the question. <laughs> okay, so, Pixar. At this point, you should I'm have gonna, it in a Wally sound effect. <laughs> um, I'm going to no sound effects. We've, we've gone over this. That's your, that's your um, shtick, not ours. Okay, okay. We rely on pure content for our podcast. And that's why no one listens to us. <laughs> because they don't have sound effects, because they're not entertained. I listen to you guys. I listen to you guys, too. <coughs> From now on. So I'm going to remember as much as I can about Pixar's history, and I have the Wikipedia page open, but they're actually a division of Lucas 
uh, LucasArts. Or um, Industrial Light and Magic at first, right? ILM. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's where, they, that's where they got started, wasn't it? Where they were they're yeah. doing animation for... Yeah, it was LucasArts or something, and then uh, they just kind of broke off and started doing their own stuff, didn't they? And Steve... Yeah. They, they, and Steve... They, um, yeah, they broke off to do, like, computing science stuff um, and all that. They started doing commercials, um, but, their, but their first short, they were still under the, uh, like, their old uh, Lucas uh, or um, ILM name, but The Adventures of Andre and Wally B were their for, first uh, animated short. Was that the one of the lamp? No, that's the, no. That's the no. next one, Luxo Jr. Oh, okay. Yeah, Luxo Jr. was, um, became like the symbol and, and logo, logo of Pixar, Luxo Jr. Yeah. And, um, they released shorts, um, a few more shorts over the years, and working on c- commercials, but, um, it was in 2005, uh, 1995, <laughs> when they released their first, um, the world's first full-length motion, the world's first full-length, length CGI movie that was the length of a long movie. Which was Toy Story. Uh, it was Toy Story. Yeah. Toy Story. Are you sure? Because I thought it was Wally. <laughs> no, it was Toy Story, believe it or not. <laughs> Yeah. So, so that was 1995. I hope the people that are listening that, to this pick up the sarcasm in my voice. That was 14 years ago. Can you believe that? Yeah. 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 I remember. Uh, no, I remember we went to go see a movie, like a, a two-dimensional Disney movie, in the theater when uh, Toy Story was out, and um, I mean, I was so young I could basically hardly remember the trip. I don't. I don't even remember how old I was. I, I was still living. Oh, it's all side story, but. Yeah, I remember, like, I wanted to see Toy Story, and my parents were like, we can't see Toy Story, wait till your birthday, or something like that, but, yeah, I mean, it was a long time ago, they've been doing stuff, I remember back then, too, they'd take forever to make movies, too. Now they just churn them out every couple of, every, every two or three years. Yeah, well, that's what happens yeah. when you're, like, a multi-million dollar company with, like, zillions of employees all doing stuff. Yeah. No, the interesting thing is that Pixar just announced that next year is going to be the first time that Pixar releases two movies in one year. I think it's 2011. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. But, um, oh, that's interesting. Well, let's go in order here. So, Toy Story um, was definitely a breakthrough in a, in a revolution and still is one of their best films. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a rock solid 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. And uh, even, even like the 3D graphics are, are, are still... Fairly impressive um, in that movie. I think mainly because since they made all all, all the characters uh, plastic toys, basically that the like limitations of the medium back then just worked 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 toward their advantage. Well, yeah. Because you, you didn't see the you didn't see people. You didn't see very many people in the first Toy Story. Mm-hmm. You didn't see any people practically. I, Except I mean, you might have seen someone's like pants in their like foot. So that was practically it, you know. Well, you saw most of Sid. Yeah, that's I don't know true. about you, but I you saw all the kids. The you saw the kids. Was yeah. Kind of creepy. So yeah. Toy Story was was great, I think. Yeah, it was. A and good now they're. Movie. I did like it. And now they're making a third one. Mm-hmm. But it was three years later that they uh, released A Bug's Life, which shows like they they worked on Toy Story, uh, they finished it, and then they started on Bug's Life. So. It, 
back then it took three years to make one of these movies. Yeah, yeah it's a long um, time. I don't think I saw Bugs Life in theaters. I can't remember. I did. Um, I, I saw it either. and I loved it. The only yeah. scene I can only remember one scene from it though, unfortunately. Which scene is that? It was the scene where I think they were were they locusts or grasshoppers, like the bad guys. Grasshoppers. grasshoppers. Okay, yeah, they were in their like colony dealy, and they're all like sitting around a bar drinking or something, and then like uh, they're they're making fun of the ants and like the lead grasshopper like villain dude like takes a nut and like hucks it at some guy. He's like, oh, did that hurt? And the guy's like, no, no, that was you know. And then he just, like, pops a cork out of the thing that's, like, handing the nuts out. And the guy just gets, like, buried by them, you know. And he's just, like, referencing that there's just so many millions of ants that if they ever rallied together, they, they could just take over the planet or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think Hopper is, like, one of the best uh, Disney villains there ever was. Yeah. I, I need to go back and watch that movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. But this was, a, this was a big risk for Pixar because a Toy Story was, a like, a runaway hit. But, like, if they couldn't create another one, then, like... They were done. Yeah, they were done. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing about Pixar. They always, like, what they, what they do a lot is that they take risks with their movies. They're never really, uh... They never really just stick to the uh, conventional stuff. They, they do... That's true. Yeah, it's, it's, that's one of the things I like about them, because they never really... They, they stick to their guns when it comes to that. They don't, they don't really conform. Yeah, they don't really conform to what everyone else is doing. They pretty much create what everyone else tries to conform to. Yeah, which exactly. Is really cool, and they do it again and again. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, what... And with Bugs Life, it was an even bigger risk, too, because when that came out, there was another animated movie at the same time called Ants that came out. And it's like, here's two movies about basically the same thing. You know? and, oh, yes. But, of course, the quality, the quality between the two was easy to determine. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Well... Ants had some pretty, like some pretty cool like water effects and all that. Yeah, um, and it had Woody Allen. Woody Allen. Um, a Bug's Life was was definitely a great leap forward in in technology because like all, all like of all the shots of the like underneath all the leaves and and clovers and all that were was just really cool, and like they had shots where I think at the time like over a hundred ants just running around on the screen at once. It's like, they had to write, write like, new technology about where their eyes would move, you know, like, they uh, they wrote programs so the ants would look at different things on the screen at different times, so, like, yeah, they won't have to animate it by hand and all that. That, yeah, I, I really was, when I, when I first saw that, um, I was very impressed with the animation, because, you know, that, that was, like, the, like, the new thing, like, 3D animation, and now it's pretty yeah. much taking up the entire animated market like the the market of animated films is a, you don't see any hand-drawn well, animation actually, films actually I was to say is a side topic do you know that Disney's going back to two-dimensional hand-drawn animation yeah I was going to bring that's that's um I, I'm kind of happy in fact, in fact really that, happy that they're doing in that. fact that was kind of Pixar's influence that made them go back since since basically Disney that since basically Disney's animation is now basically Disney Pixar that's it. That's it. I'm kind of yeah. glad that they're doing that, though, because, I mean, there there's a quality to hand-drawn animation that you don't see in any other kind of movie, you know? There, there's just exactly. something about it, and maybe it's because I grew up on that stuff, I don't know. But there's just, I don't know, there's, there's like, almost a fantasy kind of feel to it that you, it's really difficult to achieve with, like, CGI animation, you know? So the, yeah. they're coming out with, uh, what was it, the Frog Princess? The Princess and the Frog? 
something yeah, it's like their, that. I guess it's their experiment to go back or something, yeah. 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 What they had originally planned was that, um, you know that movie that came out, Bolts, with Miley Cyrus and John Travolta, what they were going to plan to do is they were going to make that their um, animated film. But huh. it was it, it was originally going to be an, a hand-drawn film called American Dog. But then they decided to make it uh, CGI and call it Bolt and have this next one be um, hand-drawn. And I think that was actually um, a good a good choice for them because when, when you look at Bolt, it just it's like you said that there's specific stories that that need CGI, and then there's other specific stories that need hand-drawn animation, like. For instance, like the Princess and the Frog, that's a kind of like a fantasy story, or Cinderella, or Beauty yeah. and the Beast, like those those it, films. But then, it of course, feels like you, a you story have, book, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then you have Up, and then you have Wall-E, and then you have Bolt. Those kind of films, they're meant for CGI because you need like very very stunning visuals to to go along with the story, and it helps the story along, which is why it's always good that you, you choose wisely, like with two D and three D animation for these kind of films. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're moving ahead a little bit, but like Bolt. Um, was surprisingly good, and that was mainly because um, when Pixar merged with them, a Disney, uh, a John Lasseter became like w- was on the board of directors of Disney, and he had a hand directly in the in uh, Bolt, and he also I think he helped out in a uh, uh, Meet the Robinsons too, and that was a that was a pretty good movie as well. Yeah, I, I like, never saw I like that of those. Movie. Like I wanted to see him, but you know. So, um, A Bug's Life, I think, is, is um, underappreciated sometimes when you think of the pantheon of, of Pixar movies. But it's definitely one of my favorites. What did they make after A Bug's Life? Was it Monsters, Inc.? No, that was, was Toy Story oh. 2. Toy oh. Story 2. Oh, yeah. Oh. Which um, began its life which um, began its life as a direct-to-video, ha- like an hour-long movie, like direct-to-video. But um, they began getting the... Uh, the stuff back from Pixar, and they're saying, "No, this is too good to be a, a direct-to-video release." So they like reworked the story to add more stuff to it, and they made it um, like a full-length feature. It's probably a good idea. I mean, as far as sequels go, Toy Story Two was pretty good. Yeah, I did like. I think when I when I look back on on uh, Toy Story and Toy Story Two, I would actually say that um, I like the second one more than the uh, first one. I think well, because. It's difficult with sequels, one, because obviously, well, I mean, you lose the novelty in the first one, you know, like that, if you make a really yeah. gimmicky film, like especially Toy Story was pretty original at the time, you make a second one, well, it's like, okay, well, we already had a movie about toys, we're making a sequel to that, well, we can't, you know, we can't surprise anyone anymore with this, mm-hmm. like, what are we going to do? And, uh, I don't know, the, and, and also, the other problem you run into is, uh, you know, in, in a classic like Hollywood story on, on film, you have a protagonist and antagonist, and the protagonist like learns all of his lessons and and kind of becomes a perfect person by the end of the film. And then it's like, well, then you got to invent more problems for him to have in the sequel. You know, it's like, how do you do that? So well, I think and they, they did, did a surprisingly job, good job. Yeah, they did really good. Yeah, like the whole idea of just him not knowing whether or not like he he, he kind of was having trouble with the idea of him not being wanted later on in life. Like he he was kind of worried about that sort of thing. I, I thought it was very well done, and I think and I I applaud um, the guys who were in charge. It was um, like I'm looking at it right now. Apparently, uh, the, the, there were three directors. It was John Lasseter, Lee Uncrich. I'm not sure if I pronounced that right. And it's Ash Brennan, and those were the three, three directors for the film. I don't care who you are. If you didn't cry during when they had that month, that montage of Jesse being abandoned, you were you were soulless. Oh, 
that is one of like out of um, all of Pixar's best moments. I think that um, the uh, the uh, song with a uh, Jesse is like right up there. Yeah, I haven't seen I haven't seen that one in a long time. But well, you should. I remember what, and then it was and then it was Monsters Inc. After that, right? Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. Monsters Inc. 2001. Yeah. Um, that was wow. the same year as, as Shrek, the original Shrek, wasn't it? I think so. So at this point, everyone's trying to do 3D movies, especially yeah, uh, yeah. DreamWorks. Um, and see, I didn't see, see, I didn't see Monsters, Inc. in the theater, so... Yeah, at I this think point in the story, yeah, like, yeah. I, m- I remember that was actually the first Pixar movie we saw together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and but it's at this point in, in the whole thing where... Uh, you have like these two big companies. You have DreamWorks, and then you have, and you have Pixar, and they're like butting heads like every single year. They, they come up with a movie. First, you have well, it's it kind of started with um, with A Bug's Life and Ants. Like first, you have those two butting heads, and you have Monsters Inc. Then you have Shrek, then you have Finding Nemo, and you have Shark Tale. And Shark Tale sucked, so that wasn't much of a contest. But yeah. still, you was have um, this constant combat between the two. Was the was the Final Fantasy movie two thousand one as well? I seem to remember that. Hmm. Oh, I think it was. It was. It was close anyway. Yeah. Ah, the um, Final Fantasy movie. That. So, Monsters that Inc. Um, the one thing I remember about actually uh, going to the movies to see that is when we were walking out, there was this, uh, you know, like an old, kind of like a middle-aged guy with his with his kids, and I heard him say, uh, "I like Shrek better." <laughs> and um, what a douchebag! I, yeah, what, I died. What a, what a, I died a what little. A soulless, like that. Uh, Shrek was pretty a soulless good, bastard. Too, so. Yeah, Shrek was well, good, but then it just started going downhill with like the thirty sequels that it had. Well, like Shrek One is a really good movie. Yeah, yeah. But um, but the difference between Shrek, uh, like the Shrek movies and like Pixar is Shrek re- relied a lot of relied a lot on like funny one-liners and um, gags that were only relevant to you know that time period. Yeah. Where Pixar's movies are usually t- t- timeless, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in Pixar, like you were saying, doesn't rely on... Like, there's a term I use where it's like, a movie tries to be funny, and then it just is. And the difference mm-hmm. between the two is, like, a movie that tries to be funny is a movie that comes up with witty one-liners and, and very obvious jokes about things, which Shrek does. And it does it well. It's not bad. Mm-hmm. Like, the original Shrek was pretty good. Um, but it's like, with Pixar, it's like the movie almost creates its own jokes as it goes along. Like, mm-hmm. it's just funny because it, like you're just watching it, and it's just... It's just fun to watch, you know. Like it, it's just its own thing, and yeah. which I think is infinitely better, although harder to achieve. Exactly. We should uh, mention uh, that uh, John John Rassenberger at this point has become Pixar's uh, good luck charm. He's a, yeah. he, he does he, a voice. He's even on their uh, he's even on their baseball team. <laughs> nice. So Monsters Inc. big big uh, breakthrough was on the um, hair rendering. Especially on uh, that's right. on Sully. Oh yeah, that was and, that was big back then. That was like the first time mm. they had tried something like that. And I think Boo, like the little girl, is definitely one of the best Pixar characters. Which is funny yeah. because I remember them talking when I was watching the uh, like the behind the scenes on Finding Nemo. They were talking a little bit about Boo, and I guess like when they tried to get her to re- like to record her lines in the studio, it was just a nightmare. Like, she'd be running all over the place and playing with things, and they just had no handle on that kid at all, which I thought was <laughs> <Nice>. pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Just like the character. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, think I, think Monsters, I think Monsters, Inc. Is, is, is a really fun movie. 
Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it actually, and I was going to say because I I didn't see it in the theater. That's I'd be gotten to the, the age where I was like, oh, Pixar is for kids, you know. And so mm. I, I didn't bother seeing it. And then, um, what was it? They had it like at uh, my school. Like they had like a, a day where it was like a special day, and they had the uh, lunch room. Like they pulled a, a big uh, like a screen down, and there were projected movies, and there had Monsters Inc. playing. And I only saw like the first, like maybe you know sixth of the movie. And we're basically, you know, where they go to work and the doors are coming out. And I was like, this is really interesting, actually. This is a pretty interesting idea. And then, like, I had this secret desire to go watch it. So, like, I went <laughs> to the video store, you know, when no one was looking, and uh, and rented it, you know. And you I'm grabbed the monster. disappointed. <laughs> yeah. You grabbed the Monsters, Inc. VHS, snuck it into your room, watched it in the middle of the night. <laughs> Pretty much. I did the same thing with Harry Potter, you know, because I was like, I, no one can watch, see me looking this or they'll think I'm a woman, you know, so. But it was it was fantastic, you know, I mean, like, it's oh, like, this is a are. great movie. And then, it had uh, a really, it had a really neat idea behind it, like, exactly. a, like the premise. Yeah. Yeah, I thought, I thought it was cool, like, that whole idea what they did with the monsters and the screens and everything. I, I, I did like it a lot. And I loved, mm-hmm. and I loved, like, like, I'm a fan of action, and, like, where they, they created the whole idea of, well, let's have doors that, like, lead to, pe- like, little kids' bedrooms, you know, and, like, that'll be pretty cool. And then at the end of the movie where they're trying to escape and they just light up all the doors and they're just, like, running through them as they're going through the tracks and stuff, that whole scene was just amazing, you know? Yeah. Like, sure I had a blast Jackson watching away it. From those doors. <laughs> <laughs> and that scene is awesome, but, like, I, I just always wondered why. You, you would think somewhere in the world a kid would open up his, uh, Closet door and fall through there, <laughs> but, it, but they never did. Because they needed like the the red light to be on. Well, but in that scene, they she laughs and all of the doors light up. So like, yeah, wouldn't there just be like a chance that like, yeah, somewhere in the world, some kid just opens the door and just falls into this endless pit of like doors, <laughs> other doors that would be, and ends up in like, and is is like in the middle of the U.S. and ends up like in the middle of Russia or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, and some of those doors, yeah, I mean, like, uh. That'd be a really good way to travel the world, you know? Through doors? Yeah, just walk at. Doors! You just open oh, and, and I also. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was, well, was going to say, I, I really liked the, um. The idea behind that movie, too. Like, this, this is just the film writer in me coming out. But I like the idea how their whole world relies on scaring kids and getting their screams, you know? And just being kind of vicious, and at the end they learn that like they actually get more power from laughter, you know. So it becomes like a yeah. I don't know. I just liked that transformation. It was just it was just really good. Like I that that movie brought me back to Pixar films, and then I think I watched Finding Nemo after that, which was their next film, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Finding Nemo. Well, Two thousand three. Before we go to Finding Nemo, I, I thought it would be interesting to, to mention also that this was actually the first Pixar film that was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Animated Film, because that was, at that year. Was it? Was the first year they started um, nominating those kind of films? Oh, do you know they created that category just to make sure that something like Beauty and the Beast never happened again? Well, actually, no. They, what they said was like um, an animated film can still be nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, but it, but it, it's just so that way, like, it's also a way so that way um, the animated films aren't just ignored. But yeah. now but there's still a possibility for the animated film to be nominated for Best Picture. That's just talk. They'll never nominate it. That's talk. Like, um, I honestly think Wally should have been nominated last I year. I agree. But it'll ne- um, it never happened. 
It had more heart than any of the films that were nominated for Best Picture that year. That, that's the thing about Academy Awards nowadays. It's just like you, you see like these really depressing films, like No Country for Old Men. That's just a real downer the entire time. And I'm, I like when you see films that like that are, that are that are winning the Academy Award. You think like whatever happened to the, like the good old days when happy films got the Academy Award for Best Picture? It's it's a bit far ahead, but like when you really think about the plot line of Up, it really should be pretty depressing, you know. Yeah. But they they brought life to it. I'm sure we'll get to it later. I just it, you just made yeah. me think of that though. You know, I remember reading a newspaper yeah. article about that where really that that should have been like one of the most depressing movies ever, but they they made it uplifting. You know, just like the title. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, so um, also, um, uh, Monsters Inc. was the first one where they made a, a short movie like to include on the DVD that was based on the movie uh, Mike's New Car. Oh, I remember yeah. watching that too, with the whole push the button thing going on. <laughs> I never watched that though. That's that's like the we only mention... Pixar. That's the only Pixar short I have never like I've ever not seen. I've seen them all except for that one because I don't I, the, the Monsters Incorporated DVD. I'm like that. I love that. I quote that all the time. I'm like that. I'm with that, but I hadn't seen the one that's with uh, what was the Wally. I haven't seen Bernie yet. Oh, I haven't oh that one's either. Oh, I'll have, to, have to see that when you come over. That's uh, fine. Yeah, it's it's um, funny. So fu- but yeah, the so Finding Nemo um, was 2003, and was uh, I never saw this one. in movie theater because um, I think at this point I was getting it's like uh Pixar. I mean, I'll see it when it comes out on video. Yeah, it's all right. That in my um, opinion. But, oh, sorry, sorry, Joey. But uh, no, what I was gonna say is Finding Nemo. Um, right now, I'm I'm, I'm like debating between Wally or Finding Nemo, but that has got to be like one of the, the best films they've ever made. And right now, I'm, I'm, I'm choosing whether or not Wally or Finding Nemo is better. Like, but according to critics, uh, Finding Nemo is better than Wally because it's only off by one percent. You see, I, I kind of follow uh, Rotten Tomatoes like a lot. And right now, Wally has ninety-seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and Finding Nemo has ninety-eight percent. What What's the lowest scoring Pixar film on Rotten Tomatoes? Cars, and I'm that's like that movie. I, I couldn't stand it. <laughs> well, we'll get to that. Um, but. Yeah. <laughs> Like Finding well, Nemo definitely yeah, was is like one of my favorites, and I think it, like between it would be like a tie between that and the Incredibles for my number two position. I think. Well, I know um, Finding Nemo. Like I said, I just got started getting back into Pixar films with Monsters Inc. And Finding Nemo, I think it just came out on DVD, so it's like, well, Monsters Inc. was pretty good. So I'll give this a shot. So it was another one of those, like, I went to the store and, like, didn't let anyone see me buying Finding Nemo and took it home. And I watched it and was like, this is amazing. Like, why am I missing these movies in theaters? I, I do, you, it. So do your friends I would, know that you're living a secret double life? I made my brother watch it after I had finished. I was like, dude, uh, Scott, you got to watch this movie. Funny like, you should this is there. good. And then, so I brought it, and he's like, well, what is it? It's like, it was Funny Nemo. It's like, well, isn't that, like, a kid's movie? It's like, just trust me. Just watch it. Trust we me. watched it, and we were just cracking up the whole time, and it was just great. And so my, my parents never wanted to see it, you know. They're like, what's well, for kids, you know. So I tried to get my mom to watch it. She fell asleep on purpose on the couch, but my parents are weird. But, I love uh, the seagulls in that movie. <coughs> Yeah, after Finding Nemo, I just made a point. I will never miss another Pixar movie in theaters ever again, and I never have. Yep, same here. Yeah, um, so the big thing with that movie is the uh, underwater effects. Yeah. Well, just all the water in general. I mean, they had to animate yeah. all the splashing and pouring and slurshing. And oh, yeah, like when they're inside the whale? Yeah. Like, they were saying at that, like, obviously, like, at that point, that was the most uh, difficult scene they've ever done. 
Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I actually, I, I uh, got to see like the documentary about how they made the film on, on their DVD because I actually have Finding Nemo on DVD. But what, one of the interesting thing was, things was before they started animating the film, what they did was they um, got a camera, they put it underwater, and they got loads of different footage of underwater shots. And what they did was is that they did their best to replicate the um, animation, like the, like using animation, they tried to replicate the footage that they got of the underwater stuff. So what they they got the footage, they animated it, and then they looked at it when they finished, and they actually they said that they couldn't just like see the difference between either one. They couldn't tell which one was which. So they decided they actually had to tone down the animation a bit to make it like to fit it with um, like the animated style of the film. Yeah, yeah. they'd made well, it. They're saying interesting. They'd heard that like the uh, that the fish tank in the in the dentist's office was like. A real challenge to do too, because oh, yeah. he had like a body of water that was contained inside an environment that you know didn't have water in it. Yeah, and uh, so you had the refraction going on and all that with the light, and they, they said mm-hmm. that was pretty difficult. I yep. remember them talking about how they were trying to make it look like it was underwater at, at first, and they just something was wrong, you know, like it it was murky and stuff, but it just didn't feel like it was in a like a volume, you know, so they sort of talking about like they added shafts of light and things floating around and everything kind of has like a, I don't know, it, they, they did a good job though, they did a really good job with it. Yeah, I thought it was very well done, just like when, when the final product was astounding, just how amazing all the footage was. Yeah. And then there's The Incredibles, which came next, I think. Oh, 2004. I had my I doubts about this film. I, I, I kicked myself for not seeing this in movie theaters because I, I rented it on video and I just thought it was one of the coolest movies I've ever seen. I, I went to go see it on opening night and I was like the only person in the theater. Yeah. Oh, that's that's sad for <laughs> you and and the movie theater that no one went to see this. I know. Yeah, yeah I'm. A, yeah, I'm this, a, was awesome. this was awesome. Th- th- this was during the. This was during the big uh, superhero movie. Uh, what's the word? Just the whole like. Uh, now, now I'm stuck. Thanks. Bomb. <laughs> the superior bomb. Yeah, it's just when all the super, like X Men and Spider Man were out and everything else. Yeah. Well, um, if you, it's like the only uh, trailer I've seen for this is is like the very first one where Mister Incredible is is trying to get into his old superhuman not uh, superhero outfit and like <laughs> superhuman outfit. Yeah, but it's like he, he's just so old and fat now we can't get in, and that's the only thing I knew about it. But Pixar is really good about like having trailers that have really nothing to do with the main movie, but then when you see the movie, it has like everything to do with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like, um, I just saw like, um, I didn't know what it was about, and I watched it, and I go like, if if this was a live action movie, which like um, a Brad Bird. Like said this, it's like we could do this as a live action movie. Like that was our goal to, to like to do something that you can do a live action, but then make it computer generated and just make it like really <laughs> just make it really fantastical. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was something else about that movie. Like they actually tried. Um, they had written into the script, and I had seen like the kind of stuff that they were writing into the original script for The Incredibles. And it was actually a really dark movie at some points. People died. Yeah, was. People died yeah. here and everywhere. Yeah, well, it, it was. There was originally it, supposed to be a pilot, 
that was uh, taking the plane, like in the film where the, like, they have that the plane being chased by missiles, there was originally a pilot who was who was flying that plane, and he saves the women, like the um, Elastigirl and, and the two kids, but he ends up dying. And one of the directors was actually talking to the guy who had written that part, and he was like saying, "Can we do that another way?" And then he's like, "No, somebody has to die at this part. Somebody has to die at this part of the movie." And he's like, "Man, there's this is a kids' film." But you can say the they only had that, but they also had like you know a possible love affair going on, and it's yeah. like this is a Disney film. Well, and I remember um, when I saw that in the theaters. Well, one, I, it was it was really slow at first. I remember like the ver- the beginning of it. I remember uh, sitting in the theater thinking like, well, I wasn't thinking like when is this going to pick up? But you know, like I was afraid that uh, it it was just going to be like about how they adjust. I didn't think it was ever going to pick up in terms of action. I mean, it did, and it was amazing. I remember, um, action, it was an action-packed an action film. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm just talking about, like, when they're showing, it. like, what's-her-face going to school and, like, the problems that Dash is having and, it, it, and it, like, his him at work, you know, and and it was just kind of, like, a day in day out. But I know they did that on purpose, too, because they, they wanted it to seem a little boring, you know, and then and then mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Incredible goes and gets, gets uh, back into his glory days, and it's all, like, you know, Wham, bam, kaboom, kinds of stuff, exactly. and it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, you can even see it in the lighting of the film. Like, if you notice, if you notice in the parts where he's like working in his office, or the parts where he's just really just not happy with his life, you can just tell like there's like this really saturated, or just yeah. not 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 as much it's saturated, colorless. just like kind of yeah, like it's, it's kind yeah. of like Lifeless. less color. In fact, in fact, they uh, this is in fact the Incredibles is where I really started getting into looking at film development, like how they write the scripts, how they develop all of the ideas. And they they even went as far as what they did was they'd pull the camera back and then zoom it in to make everything feel even more two-dimensional, just so that it felt, like, really trapped and closed and just bland, you know? And it's just yeah, like, wow. oh, it's amazing, you know? And I just, I love Pixar. <laughs> they put so much thought into that stuff. And I, and I just got to, I, I, I was very impressed with The Incredibles. That's, um... Just one of the another one of those films that I had originally had doubts for because I was I didn't think it was going to be as good as I thought it, as it turned out to be, and I just saw it and I was like, it's just one of those films that where you, where you watch and you just get your faith back into Pixar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mentioned this before, but this was directed by a, a Brad Bird, who like directed the uh, the cult classic The Iron Giant, and um, Pixar turned to him, and and they said to him like, we are afraid that we are becoming too compliant with our own f- formula, and we would like you to make a movie to break that. And that's what The Incredibles was. That's yeah. very cool. And it succeeded. Yep. Yeah, it did. Unfortunately, Cars didn't succeed as much as The Incredibles. No. Here, See, I thought Cars was okay. I mean, I he, didn't think it was bad. This is, and <laughs> well, now we're going to start talking about what people consider the kind of the black sheep of the yeah. Pixar family. Yeah. Well, think about about cars is it's like better than almost anything that other other people make, but um it it just seemed more like a a DreamWorks just like a normal a normal kids movie and yeah. um I ended up like um, after I watched it um a couple times I like I really began to like see what they were they were <laughs> trying to do but yeah it, it just seems like this this is the movie that's about like one liners and making fart jokes. So, and all that stuff, and that's yeah. usually not what you see from other Pixar movies. Yeah, I guess yeah, this they is like this is Pixar's one misstep, in my opinion. But nonetheless, mm-hmm. it still did. 
I mean, it wasn't it wasn't as big as a misstep to actually like take out this whole winning streak that Pixar had going on, like because every single one of their films had been great, and I I think that everybody was worried that Cars would be like that that thing to finally destroy like this where they this, jump the shark. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think yeah, in I mean, terms of like merchandising and like um, appeal to little kids, part uh, Cars was, excuse me, uh, one of their most successful movies um, because like you, you walk into Walmart and you see a Lightning McQueen and Mater on like every freaking little thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it was more for commercial. That's the, that's like that's another thing that I kind of feel that they did with it. I think they kind of used it more rather than a story. They kind of used it to make it like a sort of like a license sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Just, just kind but of the message like, behind, to sell toys and stuff. But the message behind Cars was actually based on a, a John Lasseter's um, like life because he was saying after Toy Story, A Bug's Life, and Toy Story Two, um, his wife said to him like You have to slow down and like look at your life and don't miss your kids growing up." So yeah. like um, uh, uh, they took a road trip and he said that was one of the most like eye-opening experiences of his life because he realized. He like he was Lightning McQueen, just like in the, in the fast lane, like at the top of his game, and, and like and, and like Lightning had to had to slow down and like notice little things in life to to truly appreciate it. And uh, so it, it's a really good message and it has good morals. But yeah, I, I I just think Cars is one of their weaker entries. Yeah. Well, they're they're weakest um, entry by far, but I still think it's a lot. And of then fun. it's followed. And yet they're making a sequel to it. Uh, That's what I don't Now, get. that upsets me. That is going to be a big mistake for them, I think. Especially since, like, the rumor is is that is they had a choice to do Monsters, Inc. 2 or Cars 2, and they chose Cars. That is, yeah, I, I don't know, but you know you know when I look at that, when, when, I, when I think about that whole thing of them making a sequel to it, I look at it this way. Um, we've had our doubts about Pixar before, but they've always seemed to... to do they good. pull through. Yeah, yeah they pull through. So I, I think they'll be able to pull through, but I think it'll be another close call for them. But I, I think it, um, sequels have always been risky business in the filmmaking industry, and I think that they should um, Pixar should come to terms with that. And at least Disney, Disney seems to Disney seem to make an art of, out of making sequels, not good sequels, just sequels. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure what Cars too, 2 would be about. Like, what, I don't know what the plot's going to be. Apparently, like, according, well, according maybe, maybe to what they're going to do, they're ma- going to be making Cars, like, it's going to be international. Like, you see, it, like, I'm not going to pull it up right now. You guys keep talking, I'll, I'll find okay, it. Okay, well, I was going to say, maybe we're thinking about the wrong way. Like, maybe they're making a Cars 2 as a chance to try and make it more, like, like less good. like the original one. I mean, I thought the first one was good, too, but you're right. Like, the first one... I think that w- that was the first um, picture we've ever seen where they made a reference to like somewhat dirty humor, you know, where like they they say a lot. There's a line somewhere where they they talk about how someone has a piston cup and then and then Mater's like, <laughs> "You did what in your cup?" Yeah, and it was like, "Oh, that's funny." And it's like, "Well, but like that's like a like you know that's a that's a joke that has a word in it that kids shouldn't be saying <laughs> you know like pictures have never done that before oh they they, they, they have that scene of, with, they, let, they have that scene with the uh tractors and stuff which is basically one big fart joke yeah oh uh, yeah, they, no, they, they did the they let why did they why did they cast larry the cable guy <laughs> I think that was one of the best parts it's funny is yeah. i think he, he did add some yeah. good stuff in there yeah i remember like in, in all Pixar films, you always have like those memorable characters, and I think uh, Mater's uh, one of, like 
Pixar, like, uh, for Cars. That's, uh, Cars. It's like Terminator without the two. <laughs> yeah. So, um, this was going to be Pixar's last film. No, actually, it's going to be Ratatouille. It was going to be their, their, their last film under the uh, Disney brand. But, um, oh, yeah. They, they worked out a deal to, and, like, Pixar actually merged with Disney and, like, are the majority shareholders or whatever now. And Dis- basically, Pixar took over Disney animation for all intents and purposes. Yeah. Well, and with Ratatouille, um, now, because I'm not sure, it wasn't like they were making this movie, and then the person who was originally directing it had some big issue with the mm-hmm. with Pixar. Like, I don't know the whole story. But then, yeah. like, so they replaced him with Brad Bird, again, The Incredibles. And, like, I don't know what parts he'd edited or whatever, but I actually, like, Ratatouille was really good, I thought. Like, they... Oh, that was another... That was, like, actually... Because, you see... Oh, sorry for interrupting, but... What I, I, I saw... I saw Cars, and um, I was in theaters, and I don't know what I was thinking, and I wasn't really sure about this film to begin with. And so I, I see... And I, I'm just, just waiting to be disappointed with this film. And then I see the trailer for Ratatouille, and I'm, like, thinking... Oh no! I just kind of I, I'm starting to get this feeling that like this they're going downhill like a film about a rat that makes food. But yeah, then, like if you look at the trailer, like you think it's just about a rat who lives in a restaurant and people throw knives at him. Yeah, which is pretty cliche. Mm-hmm. But still, well, I, I, it's like Tom and Jerry without the Tom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but nonetheless, Pixar did. They they kind of redeemed themselves with this film because. Like that, it was. They fixed the misstep of Cars with an extra leap with uh, Ratatouille, in my opinion. Well, and the the cool thing about Ratatouille is, as well as, because uh, like you're saying, Cars. I mean, it didn't really take a lot of artistic approach to the idea. I mean, there was there was the clear plot points that every movie is supposed to follow and all that, but like it just wasn't like you said. It was mainly fart jokes and all that. So they didn't really take a lot of care with it. It seemed they, with Ratatouille, though. Again, they they just they hit every right note. I mean, it was a movie about a rat, which is, you know, stuff like that's been done before. But, like, they made the people feel gigantic whenever it was from uh, Remy's point of view, you know? Yeah. Like, everything just felt huge. And it's like, I don't know, and they did such a good job with it, you know, and it's like the... Plus the food looked awesome. They they actually got... delicious. They got... They brought in... It made me hungry after I saw it. I was like, I walked out and I'm like, I'm hungry, I want to go eat something. They they actually... (laughs) Didn't they actually, like, get, like, gourmet cooks? Didn't they get, like, a gourmet cook to actually make a dish for the movie? Oh, I'm sure they did. Um, And, like, the message in Ratatouille is, like, definitely not what you expect walking into it. It's about, like, putting aside your um, your predetermined thoughts about something and accepting something for what it is. Preconceptions yeah. is the word you're looking yeah. for. preconception, right. Because, um, like, um, Ego, like, he just wants to hate this restaurant with every ounce of his being, but then he, he eats something delicious from it, but then he finds out a rat cooked it. Yeah. And like he he just sits there staring at his <clears throat> typewriter, figuring out what to write. And I think. Like, then he, he, <laughs> oh, sorry. I think oh, that part good. of the film has to be like the part where where ego he's sitting at the table and he gets that fork and he sticks to ratatouille like like the the food in his mouth 
and he kind of goes to that flashback where like he sees himself as a child and like his mom's making it for him and he suddenly he looks back at his plate and it's back into to present and he starts eating it like just like a, any like a kid it's like one of the and then then you go back to him talking like this whole speech that he gives at the end of the film is probably one of the uh, <laughs> one of the best moments in Pixar film history would you call it a it's, crowning it's, moment of awesome a crowning <laughs> moment of awesome would be a good way to say it yes I thought it was ironic that they're basically saying that like uh, well because it was such a, it was such a downer to critics too you know like like so what a risk you know for Pixar to come out and basically just say that you know critics are being kind of idiots with whenever they write <laughs> reviews on movies you know like that's yeah. basically what they're saying you know and yet, like it's like you should sit down and enjoy it for what it is not what you think it should be you know ironically that kind of applies to cars that's true <laughs> here we are kind of like bashing on it like saying oh it, it wasn't as good as other Pixar movies but like if you look at it for what it is it's a good movie like if you and like um yeah and uh, Rich um if you remember when I was on your podcast and I said and like we we're talking about um like the Star Wars prequels and Alien vs Predator and I said well I just look look at a movie for what it is not what I expect it to be but that I mean that's basically what Ego says at the at the end of Ratatouille even Very though it's true. Kind of yeah. exactly the same well and the other thing that was cool too about Ratatouille is in the end like you know like classic Disney film you'd be thinking that. At the end, whenever, uh, what, what's his name, Linguini or whatever, is all yeah. like, oh, I've, I, this rat's been what's cooking for me, and like he spills his secret to all the kitchen staff. And like in a classic Disney film, you'd expect the kitchen staff to be like, oh, oh yeah, we'll help you out, and then they all jump around. But no, <laughs> they're all like, you're crazy, <laughs> and they leave them And they walk home. away. You never see them again. That is, and yeah, then, I, uh, I kind of felt like that was also very... It like, was realistic. Yeah, it was realistic, yeah, it, <laughs> just the way they did it. And then on top of that, what was... Oh, they didn't keep the restaurant in the end either. Like, they succeeded, they did everything they set out to do, but the restaurant still got shut down because there were rats in the kitchen. <laughs> like, what are you going to do about it? You know, yeah. like, the health department's not going to like that. You know, and it, it, it was good. Like, they, they put in some good twists there, you know. It made it a great movie. Yeah, I think so. I, I think that that was just... Uh, just Pixar, once again, like, they did a very good job with the plot. And they, and they kept... And they just... They did it a good way. Yeah. For the life of me, I can't remember what came after uh, Ratatouille either. Wally. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Sorry, I had to do that. Which is, which is my favorite Pixar film. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as I had seen this trailer in theaters, like after, I, like I had seen Ratatouille, I was sitting there, and then I see the trailer for Wally, and that was like, without it, that that's got to be like the one trailer where I instantly knew that it was going to be good. I just looked at it and I was like, "This is going to be awesome." <laughs> and not just good, but like you knew watching the trailer that it, it was going to be something special, like not just yeah. fun to watch. There was going to be something more to it that just made it, like it felt like this is the movie that Pixar has been waiting to make. Is like what it felt to yeah. me, you know? This is like I, I think it it it's just cool, like the way they did it. Like they they added like they added two messages, like like they had the whole love message, like. I don't know. It's just looks. Con- I, I I don't know how, how how you define the message in Wally, but uh, concerning like, like the whole romance. Save thing, the earth. Do- don't be don't be a fat lazy bastard. <laughs> well, that was, <laughs> That's well, that was one, one thing. Yeah, it, it seemed more like um, we're responsible for our own lives in a sense. Because if you look at the way the movie, what it's kind of about is. 
here's a like what a company in the movie that you kind of see in places around the planet called by and large and like they just kind of took over everything they have like you know star cruisers going on and it's basically like like a walmart kind of thing you know only taken to the uh, logical extreme yeah and uh, here they go and basically they run the human race at the end of the well throughout in the movie you know like they the the rest of the only people who are still alive are on (coughs) one of their ships and basically everything is taking care of them which is the whole you know, we'll we'll put a happy face on everything. You name your price, we'll give it to you. That kind of customer service mindset. Yep. It's and it's destroyed it's everything. Yeah. It's happiness in a cup. Yep, and it and it's turned everybody into blobs. <laughs> yes, they're want, all really fat. I wouldn't mind trying pizza in a cup. <laughs> in a cup, it's even better. And it has tried red. The it's the new blue. <laughs> ooh. And it was um, like, ooh. And, like, we have Wally, and there's basically, like, all the robots in the movie that have one job their entire, like, their entire existence. And, uh, and Wally is able to break free of that and is able to show everyone else, um, yeah. like, to, like, live their own lives and, like, do what they want. Um, well, and it's, sorry. there's just so much. God, there's so much. Well, because through a hum- fluke, humanity to this movie. Yeah, like What's through that? a fluke, through a fluke, Wally is the only thing left on Earth, and has been doing kind of what he's programmed to do, but he just kind of has his. And then, and then, like, well, for example, on the ship, everything is on lines, like just straight lines. You know, everything is guided down these single paths. Nothing ever deviates from it. And then, like, the first robot to leap off of its path is the one that's cleaning up after Wally because he leaves a trail and, it, yeah, and it, exactly. it gets off of its line and goes after him instead. And then, like, and like that's Wally like the first... Of, oh, every time he meets someone, he knocks him off of their track or their rail, yeah. Yeah, Wally leaves, like, his mark on all, like... First you have, you have um, Mo, like, that little cleaning robot. That, that's just... He, he kind of just... He, he sees Wally kind of... That makes him change the, the direction he's going in. And then, yeah. and, like... And, like, every everything he, he, he comes into contact with... Like, their personality kind of changes. Like, he sees, um, like, the next thing, uh, person or robot he makes in contact with, well, it's a person. It's, it's that girl. Uh, Wasn't the, it the guy? The fact, like, no, no, well, oh, yeah, uh, John. John. He makes the guy Boy, off of the, yeah. Voiced yeah, by John Ratzenberger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah then, he knocks him and, off the chair. Yeah. And then you have the girl, and he, and he, like, turns off by accident her screen that makes her, like, talk to everybody. And he... And basically, because of that, she ends up seeing the world. Like, she sees everything. And, like, she's... I just think that it's, like, scenes like that in Wally that really just are very impressive, like, the way they did it. Like, like the entire... The way they do it is just fascinating. I, I love it. I kind of like the captain. He was... He basically turned into a Wikipedia addict. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was cool with the captain, too, was he, um... In the end, uh... What he, well, he he basically saves everybody, right? I mean, like Wally was kind of there helping him, but in the end, he's the he was the first person to metaphorically and literally stand up on his own two feet and take care of everything, you know, and put yeah. everything back on track. And he does, like he he stands up out of his chair. Well, no, he gets knocked out, doesn't he? And he's like on the floor or something, and he stands up and mm-hmm. he's just like, not today, and he wrestles with the the steering wheel and all to the yeah. tune, all to the tune of also. Sp- 
I'll do the tune of that two thousand to the, the, the yeah, two thousand uh, one space odyssey. Yeah, see, also, I actually I really liked his one liner in the film. The the one where he, where he's talking to the robot and like the robot's trying to tell him that he that they're not going to go back to Earth and he he's like on the axiom you will survive and he just suddenly stands up like he doesn't stand up but he kind of just looks at at the the, the steering wheel he's like I don't want to survive I want to live. Yeah. And that was a very very like good line in that film. I love the scene where Wall gets um, ejected from the Axiom and uh, his uh, escape pod blows up, but um, he's able to survive using that uh, a fire extinguisher, and and um, him and Eve just start flying around the ship because like um, he has to plant with her, and, and Eve is like, oh yay, plant, 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 but it just has this beautiful scene where they're like flying around the ship, and they're going through like the turbo boosters, and... Um, yeah, I, and at the same time, the and at the same time, the captain's uh, like listening to Wikipedia ads. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's saying like, happens to bring computer, up dancing. Computer yeah. defined dancing, and it's like dancing a series of movements like done in synchronization with two partners, and then ha- outside is like Wally and Eve like dancing outside, and then uh, uh, Mary is watching them, and John comes by, and he's like, "Oh, I know them. It's it's Wally," and yeah. then like. They touch hands, and all of a sudden, like, they're connected, and it's just, oh, yeah. I love it. And, and of then, course, and then, it's all going along with excellent music composed by Thomas Newman, who is, like, my favorite film composer on the planet. Now, um, Any relation to Randy remember, Newman? I remember, uh, I don't know, I was going to say, I remember loving the end, though, or the, the climax, anyway, where they're all on the ship, and the, the autopilot's trying to stop, which is another cool thing, too, is the, the villain of this movie is the autopilot, you know, like, everything is running on auto, you know. But anyways, the, um, and he, and he, like, turns everything over, and all the people are, like, falling out of their chairs and everything else, and it's all Fat disastrous. And, and I'm just <laughs> laughing, because they're, like, splatting up against the window, and none of them can move, and I'm just like, oh, those poor fat people, you know. <laughs> I want the part where, like, it's, it's tilting over, and, like, the and uh, they're all falling, but then there's this one guy who's, like, trying to hang on. To somebody else, he's grabbed onto a chair and he's hanging on to like the uh, to like the bendy straw. Yeah, <laughs> like the bendy straw starts like getting longer and then it just falls off because it pops out of the lid. It was it was <laughs> that was really funny. Okay, okay, um, want to hurry things up here a little bit, but I just want to say I, I love the ending to that movie. It's it's heartbreaking and um, and uh, and there's one point in the movie where like Wally is injured and Eve saves him, like has to save him. In the original version, they even had this animated. It was Eve that was hurt, and Wally had to get her back to Earth. And um, I'm, I'm glad that they made that switch because uh, it, it made it so much better that way. Yeah, it yeah. does. It, it's kind of interesting how, like, at the beginning of the film, you have Wally, the, the one that's like falling head over heels for for Eve, but then you have like, and then and Eve is like the one who's who's like hell bent on on getting this plant back to the to the spaceship. And then there's a point in the film where Wally is the one who, who's who's convinced that the plant is the important thing, but Eve is the one who's trying to push the relationship between um, her and Wally together, which I thought was very like I thought it was it was nice. Yeah. Fantastic movie, I love it. Yeah, five stars. Moving on. <laughs> okay, and now okay, we re- let's talk about Up. Up. Oh, Up. Now Up uh, was it like like uh, I would say like, kind of like. Cars. It was another one that I was kind of unsure about because I didn't. I wasn't entirely sure whether or not they would be able to, to pull, like, do the whole thing. Because um, usually you have 
for the for the main characters in this in this um in these films you usually have these people that are so full of life or just and everything but basically the the main character in this film is an old guy like a mert like a he's like dying too yeah he's, yeah. he's just really really old and he's yeah. and he's a grouch I, I think the the opening 10 minutes of this movie is absolute brilliance and you yeah. you know everything you need to know about Carl and uh his wife, just in that montage at the beginning. Um, they don't yeah. even say anything. Well, at yeah. least for, like, for that part where yeah, like, they get married and everything. Yeah. I think that's um, going to be one of the saddest parts of the entire movie. Oh, yeah. I almost yeah. cried. Like, I thought that I heard yeah. people crying. Of and the movie just, just thing, started. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, and you, like, and like, like, in the, in the theater, I was, I was listening to, the, I, I would watch, I was watching this part. It was dead silence in the entire theater when we're watching this part. And the only thing you hear are, like, these... Oh, or oh, that's so sad. Or just like or, you just hear that throughout the entire, like the end part where Ellie passes away, and it's just yeah, it's just it's a really emotional part of the film. My mom, yeah. my mom choked my mom up. up. I believe <laughs> I, I I'm almost a hundred percent sure she was in tears. It it, and it, it, it like, really just started. I know. Well, and. But now, like I said, since I just really recently started getting into film writing, like I just kept, I couldn't help but notice a lot of the the little things that they did. Like as time went on, like after that, where here's a movie about an old man, and his whole his whole dilemma is that he's holding on to all his stuff, you know, like like his his memories is in all of his just all of his stuff, and he needs to keep his stuff, and it's in his house, and he needs to keep his house, you know, and he's not going to give it up. And that reminds me of so many older men that I've met, you know, that just. They, they get so attached to a lot of things like that, you know, and, and that's what that movie was about, is he didn't want to give any of it up, you know. He was he was so determined to to hold on to it, you know, that, and it just, I thought that was pretty good, and, and the things they did about that, too, you know. Yeah, like like the part with, like, the mailbox? Yeah. In the film, like, when, when uh, that one guy he, who accidentally bumps that tractor into the side of his house and, like, knocks over, like, the mailbox, like, Carl flips out and he ends up hitting him with, with his cane, and that's kind of like that starts this whole chain of events, which ends up making him like a public get off his ass and start moving. I public, well, you know what's interesting? I public nuisance. For a, I believe it. Yeah. Well, for a for a movie called Up about a house that flies around on millions of helium balloons, watch well, it's like a hundred thousand. It's not millions, but it would take millions to actually do that. Yeah. Um, but for a movie called Up, if you notice that most of the movie, in fact, practically all of it they're descending the entire time. Like, they're actually falling. And the only points where things are going up is whenever they're making the right decisions, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, like in the end, whenever he decides to get rid of all this stuff, you know, like it's all ballast, he needs to so make his house lighter, you know? He goes back up again, you know, because he's, he's moving towards his needs, not his wants. And, and, uh, and, and God, they just did such a good job. <laughs> you notice that yeah. I like that at the very end of the movie, they go back to the Paradise Falls, and there's the house right where it should be. Yeah, just landed there by coincidence. <laughs> yeah. Like, what are the yeah, odds like, of that actually happening? Like, it, it's like um, just the natural course of events brought the house to that point. Like, he didn't have to do anything. He didn't have to force it. Yeah. Um, I think one of my... Well, Oh, One of my favorite moments, just I thought, was just really well done. Is when they're when him and Russell were underneath the house during the rain, and they were having that conversation. And um, Russell starts to talk about his dad and how he's never around. And then he gets mentioned. Um, I forget the woman's name, but like, oh, but uh, Phyllis is never there. 
And, like, she's like, oh, you call your mother Phyllis? And then he just goes, she's not my mom. And at, at that point, you know everything you need to know about Russell, is that he's this lonely kid who whose mother is either, you know, away or, or dead. You don't really know. Yeah. But, like, he's trying to get, like, um, again, the um, acceptance of his father who's never there. And um, yeah, he's trying to get that acceptance by earning all his badges. Yeah, because, like, the dad... Because I'm pretty sure, like, the, what, the way I look at it is, like, the dad probably said, like, I'll be there for you, like, when you get all of your badges. Like, just kind of, like, that whole thing just... It, it's really sad just the way it is. Cause and ironically, he, he had to get his last badge by assisting the elderly, and more specifically, as he says, he wants to help him cross something. Like, he cross the street or, or cross something... And they end up crossing the Amazon. <laughs> Wait, I, I was gonna say, you, you know what would have been a funny way to end that movie? Like, cause, cause back to what um, Dustin had said about the the house landing, coincidentally on the falls. Yeah. You know what been back funny? with all that stuff. Is it? Is if they had, um, if at the end, like after the credits, he had months, and he was hanging from a tree, and he was still alive by some amazing coincidence, and he's like, I made it, I'm alive, and then suddenly, like, he had the house land on top of him. <laughs> Well, I think um, this is one of those cases where Pixar's going to go back and add more to the ending because they actually did this with um, a few of their movies where they, like, after, like a few weeks after release, they'll add post-credits um, stuff. Because you notice, like, when that guy fell, he had a bunch of balloons on him, so I thought, yeah. it's like, oh, he'll, he'll probably, he'll probably be, like, an after-credit thing. Yeah, that... no, I don't know, because that's just, I, I think it's just, there was something... I, I think he's dead. I think he's, I think he's dead. I, I asked I my, um, my my screenplay writer friend because I'm like I consider myself pretty fluent with like you know all the metaphors and stuff that they put in here, but like there was something about those balloons because he, he had some balloons tied to his feet, but not enough to keep him up, and he fell down with them. Yeah. And I thought there's something to that. There was something that they were trying to say or, or some twist. And I asked him, and he's like, "Yeah, I got the same feeling, but I have no idea." So we're probably reading into it too much, but but yeah, there it just there was something. There was something there that he had the balloons attached to him, and I think everyone saw it. And there's just something more to that. Yeah, I agree. Up to, or an up short that'll be with the DVD. <laughs> Maybe he'll be in yeah. their short Pixar film. Oh, well, speaking of the short really Pixar film, we have to talk about the one that was with uh, the. Uh, it, oh, oh, uh, partly cloudy. Yeah. Oh yeah, that. That one. was so cute. <laughs> that was cute. Yeah. I, well, I, I don't know. It's, I, I, I thought it was, I thought it was good. Um, although I, I do think that there have been better ones than that. Because like my favorite Pixar short is Jerry's Game. It'll always be, in my opinion, that that one that they had before A Bug's Life. I really liked uh, Boundin. I think is one of my favorites. Boundin and uh, One Man Band. Yeah, I was about band. to say One Man oh, Band is my personal favorite. One Man Band. I'm trying to remember that one. Which one was that, in that was the one in front of uh, Ratatouille. <laughs> that one was really good. Because well, that one actually had like a whole message to it too. <laughs> oh wait, no, like it wasn't no, no, just no, a, no, like a no, one man band was in front of cars actually. Yeah, yeah, in front of cars. Ratatouille's um, um, was uh, lifted. lifted. The one about the alien. No, no. Yeah. yeah, and then the, and then, and then uh, Presto was Wally. Wally. Yeah. Oh yeah, Presto's was good. Um, oh, lifted was good. No, um, actually, um, the person who directed Lifted is actually going to be directing a new film. Um, he's he um, no, it was actually. Uh, it's a, it's a she actually, and uh, her name is Brenda Chapman. And are you she, sure? Because I thought he, he was this uh, heavy set Asian guy. That's our picture of. Him. 
One second, let me see. Oh, no, no, my bad. I, I, I was thinking of the wrong film. Um, no, Brendan Chapman was the one who directed uh, The Prince of Egypt. I think it was, I think it was Newt that the person who um, directed Lifted was. Let me see if I can see. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, his name is Gary Rydstrom, and he's directing um, a, a, the 2012 um, Pixar film Newt. Yeah, which, I heard about that. Someone told me. Yeah, I think me. it looks really good, and I'm, I'm definitely going to go see it when it comes out. I haven't seen anything about it. I just know the basic plot. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about the future. Like, I mean, not the sequels. Do you want to talk about the films that are coming out in the future for Pixar now? Before we. uh... Yeah. uh, Toy Story three is is in 2010. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All the all the surviving cast is going to be back for that. Um, <laughs> the ones that didn't die. It just sounded funny when you said that. Like, it sounds like they're like Pixar's, like a ship in the ocean, like with waves crashing against. And it's like, well, we're moving on to Toy Story three. Who's left? And it's like, we still got Tim Allen and and um, Tom what's Hanks. his face? Yeah, Tom, Tom Hanks. Hanks. <laughs> who we lost? Who is who we lost as far as? Um, and the voice of uh, Slinky Dog. He played Ernest in the Ernest yeah. movies. Yeah, Bird. You, you mean wh- you mean Ernest the, uh, played the was the voice of Slinky Dog? Yeah, the other way around there. And uh, um, a cars to um, George Carlin and uh, the guy who played Paul Newman. Paul Newman, yeah, yeah, they passed away too. But um, a Toy Story three, um, we don't really know what the plot's going to be, but I think they end up in a uh, in a orphanage, um, and that's where the movie takes place. Yeah, because hmm. obviously, obviously, uh, uh, Andy's all um, a grown up at this point. He yeah, plays he has new toys. <laughs> yeah, he has brand new toys, like a what? <laughs> Let's not talk about the toys that we'd have now. <laughs> they have a bunch of new toys to play with. Uh, that reminds me of the, there was a Mad TV sketch. like Sex Toy Story? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did, you guys, did you guys ever go on Newgrounds and did you see that thing that they did about Toy Story? No. So. <laughs> oh my god, it is so wrong, you guys. I I, I can't like say you guys have to go on your grounds yet. Okay, oh wait, wait. It. I think I have seen it actually. Is it the one where they have like, um, where like they have like the the vibrating lightsaber or whatever? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And like he has a six shooter, and he's like, yeah. okay, um, what do you, you're gonna shoot Buzz, and Buzz, you're gonna deflect it with a lightsaber, and then Buzz is like, oh crap. Oh, yeah, because he, he can't find him or something, so he goes to, like, his parents' room and gets, like, an actual gun. Yes. <laughs> like, At the end. Uh, yeah, just like, oh, damn it. <laughs> that, is, that is, like, one of the funniest things I've seen on Newgrounds. Right. <laughs> Toy Story 3 comes out next year. It's going to be cool. I'm going to yeah. re-release uh, the first two movies in, in a 3D at the end of the year here. So that would awesome. be neat. Um, okay, Cars 2, we kind of mentioned before, 2011. So, yeah. We'll see about that. Um, and then the very same year was going was gonna to be um, the first Pixar movie based on a, uh, a fairy tale, which is called The Bear and the Bow. This one I'm it, really looking forward to. This one, I, I think this is going to be another really good one from Pixar. It, it was like a... What nationality is it? It's like Scottish. Yeah, it's, um, it's Scottish. A Scottish it's, fairy tale. It's it's called it, the premise is in Scotland, um, Merida, and this and it's being played by Reese Witherspoon, is a member of the royal family and decides to give up her family name for her dream to become an archer. Merida makes a reckless choices, resulting in the destruction of her father's kingdom and her mother's life, and then 
um, she struggles to set things right. Gosh, how does how do you destroy a kingdom and kill your mother by becoming a, an archer? Maybe both. Bad bad shot. You hit one of like the uh, you hit one of the supporting beams of the castle. She shoots her mother, and her mother's the ruler, so the kingdom goes to shit, you know? <laughs> uh, let's see here, and then, yeah, that's something going to be interesting. Then, uh, Newt is in 2012, On the premise behind that one is, like, there are two, like, rare species of, uh, Newt, and, uh, they're the last two on Earth, and, um, they have to learn to live, to live together even though they hate each other. I think that's the premise. I wonder they if this like film's going to get a PG-13 rating. rating. <laughs> they have to repopulate the species. This might not take place like they're in, a, uh, they're in like a specimen tank like in a school. Yeah, I think so. They're at like a, a college laboratory. They're yeah. And they're like the last blue-tailed newts on Earth or whatever. <laughs> and we don't know really anything about that, but it seems like a cute premise. Yeah, I think it's going to be um, like, interesting. There's also... Um, I think 2012 or 2019, which is a, a live-action film, which is which a, a Brad Bird is directing, which um, won't be a Pixar movie directly, but it's kind of like um, help being funded by Pixar. And it's live-action. Um, yeah, it's live-action, but it's not a, it, it, it's not a Pixar movie, but um, Pixar is involved in it. Yeah. Well, like, what's it about? Do you know? Uh, I have to, have to look it up. It's, it's something it's about, Brad Bird's doing. It's about people on camera that are actually there, and it's not <laughs> there are actually people and not computer-generated images. And it's going to be directed by M Night Shyamalan. Two thousand. The twist is the actual director is Brad Bird. <laughs> um, it's a nineteen oh six. I'm sorry, um, and, there, and there's no Wikipedia page on it yet, so I, I can't really tell you what it's about. Uh, um, well, all right. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, I don't hmm. know what it's about. Oh, it's about the 1906 San Francisco earthquake. Okay. Oh, that sounds a like a... That sounds like, like a, a... A fun film. A fun family yeah. movie. And then an old man too. flies his house away with... <laughs> will, we see, will we see Emperor Norton the First? I hope so. Oh, you've never heard of Emperor Norton the First? No. Oh, my God. Should I have? Yes. That's right, I haven't. You have to go look him up. Okay. He's the most. He's like. He's like one of the most awesome things in American history. Emperor. Oh man, when Dustin pulls out a um, obscure reference, we know uh, the podcast is at an end. Yeah. Yeah, as I say, what's what's next? <laughs> I think we're done. All right. All right. Um, this is a fun one. Um, I love talking about Pixar. Yeah. Um, in making right, thank dirty, you jokes about dirty, dirty jokes. Dirty jokes. About. Bad, we're bad. We need to edit it out. We need to bleep it all out. Beep, 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 Oh yeah, you know I, I'm always up for this kind of stuff. You just gotta yeah. get a hold of me, and you know that's the that's the fun that's part. The fun part. <laughs> well, getting a hold of me is not that maybe difficult. Maybe when Toy Story three comes out, well, we now can. it's not. <laughs> that's true. Um, and thanks, uh, Dustin, for doing two of these in a row. 
Hey, I'm always, you know, you know, I've got plenty of free time on my hands. And, and thank, thank you, Joseph, for being our hero. <laughs> and thanks to me for editing two podcasts this weekend. Have fun with Yay. that. Yay, Joey. You're right. our hero. Huzz- huzzah. Huzzah. Hello, everyone. Adventure is out there. <laughs> up reference. We just referenced up. But okay, bye, guys. Balloons. And now we're going out. Bye, 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 bye. See you later, internet. Enjoy your YouTubes. Mine? 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 Squirrel!